Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey Tennis from the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Do they have nervous laughter in the Philippines? That's everywhere, isn't it? Nick Older. I run like a bastard. And Tom Stab. Excalibur blinds. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So we are careering towards the end of 2020, a year I think we can all agree has been really great. Um, And uh, we thought it was important to to concentrate on the things that you can rely on. Uh, And for us, that is reams and reams of feedback from you, dear listeners. So before we go for the year, we've got two uh, feedback episodes for you. And we're going to be starting this week with all of your Oast House related feedback. Uh, So thanks very much to everyone that's got in touch. As a quick recap, you can contact us uh, through Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, uh, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod. You can email The Partridge Pod at gmail.com. You can leave a voice note on our hotline 07923 600 And perhaps the best way of getting in touch is through the medium of a kind donation to our Kofi page. That's ko-fi.com slash Monkey Tennis. Speaking of which, I'd like to now throw to Mr. Tom Dark. Thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone that has uh, been very generous and donated to the Kofi over the last year. To give a shout out to recent donors, uh, LCFC Tom, uh, Nick, Doug, Lottie, Andy McDonald, James McCulloch, Michael, with an exclamation mark, Elaine O, Scoggy, Nick Brooks, Tom O.C., Invisible Mum, Strada Cab and Johan Herrenberg. Uh, thanks very much for all your Kofi donations. And uh, what I've quite enjoyed is people are able to leave a little comment when they make their donations so a couple of highlights here uh nick says thanks for making my commute home much more enjoyable keep up the good work and if they do a celebrity version of jumble exclamation mark it should certainly feature benjamin netanyahu and i also enjoyed james mcculloch who wrote the perfect soundtrack to my cycle commute down here in wellington new zealand and a soothing accompaniment to my deep bath sponsored by Deshole. once i get home 10 on 10 so yeah thanks very much everyone uh, interesting, 
Interesting enough that uh, James McCulloch implying there that we ramble on so long that he could cycle all the way home uh, and then pour <laughs> and enjoy a deep bath before we get to the end of an episode. Good, good, good spot, yes. <laughs> He's not actually specifying how far he bikes, though, does he? So he might only be going out for about 10 minutes and then coming back. <laughs> he could even be running the bath whilst he's out cycling so saving time one of the biggest surprises in 2020 was not the uh, debilitating global pandemic it was in fact <laughs> it was in fact that monkey tennis was an answer on the hugely popular itv game show uh, the chase did we all see this were we surprised uh, well i think the way that we all found out was adam sent us a uh, voice note on whatsapp wasn't it just telling us what just happened and i think we were just like what the fuck <laughs> yes uh, yeah. shout out to friend of the show nikki b who got in touch with uh, my partner uh, immediately as this was on telly saying you are never going to guess what's just happened uh, yeah and thanks to the miracle of catch-up we could verify it within the hour yeah and a- absolutely uh, crazy for a bit of bonus fun should we play in that audio for those that didn't hear it let's do that now Christian. St. Mary's. Which wax modeler made Marie Antoinette's death mask? Christian. Madame Tussaud. Correct. Monkey Tennis is a podcast about which Steve Coogan creation? Alan Partridge. Correct. What is the American name for coriander? Cilantro. Correct. So there we go. That was us on the chase. Genuinely, genuinely mind-blowing. What I also liked is, uh, without much hesitation, the guy uh, knew the answer as well. So I'm assuming a massive fan of the show. Oh, that's the only explanation. It's not the fact. It's, it's not to do with the fact that it's to do with monkey tennis. But uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely phrase. not hearing the phrase yeah, and yeah, going, "Well, that's something to do with Arn Partridge, is it?" It's definitely he's just a fan. Biggest fan. But what I, what I want to do though, I want to find out who works on the chase that's clearly a fan. Yeah, so there's obviously if, a researcher if, or someone yeah, in the production team. If you're team. the researcher or question setter or whatever the you, the title is, uh, working on the chase and you and you're listening, please get in touch. That'd be that'd be great to be in touch with you. I love the idea. Do you reckon Bradley Walsh signs off all of the questions? He's probably like, <laughs> yeah, that that's good. That's good. The monkey tennis one. That's good. Oh, this one about the Israeli's government. I'm not sure about that. Can we just dig into the detail here? But the monkey tennis one absolutely signed off. No problems. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? So um, you may remember that we, well, we posted on our socials, but it also got some wider media coverage that around the sort of beginning of the Oast House run, completely by coincidence and completely by chance, a giant gold statue of Alan Partridge appeared outside Norwich train station. Um, It got a bit, like I say, it got a bit of uh, coverage, including um, an interview with Steve on uh, BBC Breakfast, where someone uh, spotted, I can't remember if we read it in the comments or whether someone actually tweeted us, but um, saying that if if you look closely where Coogan was, he was obviously in his house or living room somewhere and all his book behind in front of his bookcase. And you could see one of the spines was Bill Oddie's autobiography, which I thought is a a lovely touch. Yeah, I, th- I think a few people got in touch pointing that out. Uh, and I think also with, with regards to that statue, a lot of uh, fops uh, getting in touch, sending in their uh, Partramilgrimages Partramilgrim- to the statue. Pilgrimage. Yeah, God knows. Um, yeah, basically people doing pilgrimages to the statue, which I thought was also a lot of fun. Yep, including yep. Horwich Bloke who sent us a picture, a selfie of him right outside the uh, the station with the statue clearly visible in the background. So thank you, Horwich Bloke, for sending that in. So we're on to your opinions about the Oast House. If you want to hear what we thought of it and where we think it fits into the APU, then you can listen to our previous episode where we've gone into some detail. But what about you, the humble listener? Let's start with uh, some of the reviews that came over as voice notes to the Monkey Tennis Hotline, uh, beginning with this one from Olivia. Hi, it's Olivia Swash here, proud for FOP. Um, I just wanted to give a few thoughts about From the Oast House because I I thought it was um, really, really great and I've been recommending it to everyone I know. autumn leaves was probably the highlight for me it, it made me cry laughing the way that you assume that it's going to be some sort of little twee poem about the the delights of autumn and costa coffee's version of a psl and then it's basically an existential edgar Allan poe-esque elegy which it seems like initially it seems borderline pretentious but then it's actually really surprisingly poetic and I, I don't think that's something that we've really seen from him and just compared to his books it just felt so much closer to the classic I'm Alan Partridge that um really really cringy and unedited aspects where we we really get so much of a better insight into what he's truly like rather than him writing something from his perspective the way that he might have skewed it um other highlights were 
are you being served? And um, the local radio bits, like the the Norwich-specific ads, he just doesn't seem to fully understand what podcasts are. And I think that that's just so realistic of someone his age and personality. And I've I've worked in local local TV and local radio, and it's just, it's so realistic. And something else I wanted to mention was, I just felt like it was such a cliffhanger with his grandchildren. Did he rekindle with them? Did he have a you know, and, and spend a nice day with them. We just, we just don't know. And I, I thought that was such a intriguing way to end that chapter and then not pick it back up again. Uh, thanks very much for that, Olivia. I think I, I tend to agree. I think uh, you've got uh, a lot of the same highlights that I did, especially Autumn Leaves. Although I actually think perhaps you're giving uh, Alan a bit too much credit as a credible poet. I thought it was a very good bit, but mainly because it, it was funny and bad, not necessarily because he's got real <laughs> talent. Um, we had another voice note uh, from a man called Dean. Let's have a listen to that one now. Hi, Monkey Tennisers. It's Dean here. I really enjoyed it on the whole. My highlight was episode nine, uh, the possible intruder. The thing he says at the start about having a mug of options and got his trotters in a foot spa, I, I really, probably my favourite line of the whole podcast. I did think the, the series kind of fizzled out for me towards the last couple of episodes. Um, I don't think there was a good enough um, ending to the high noon situation. I think, I think in one episode in the spa we think it's Eamon Holmes, but then we realise it's a man with his disabled mum buying ice cream. And I just thought, I was predicting that it was going to be Bill Oddie. And I don't think that ever come up. I mean, I know his name his name did just come up in the, in the actual series a few times and everywhere else in Partridge. But the fact that Hynan got in touch to help with Morris the Magpie, I really thought, oh, this is going to be Bill Oddie here. Uh, but I don't think it, it, it ended that way, um, unless I've misheard it. I just think that may have been a, a stronger ending. Um, and the last couple of episodes with, with Morris the Magpie, I didn't particularly like. And I just think it, it kind of ended quite weakly. But there's a lot of uh, episodes that I really, really like and do go back to, including um, episode nine. I think it's probably the strongest and the one in the spa. Overall, eight on ten. Um, I'm still going back to it, which probably means that I'm really enjoying it, but only certain episodes. Okay, I think that's everything. Um, and uh, bye. Can I stop talking now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, two things I loved about Dean's uh, voice note one is just the the abrupt way that it ended um, actually also that I agree with a lot of his points yeah. but also that he has the voice of somebody who has a higher pitch voice but it's been toned down to preserve his anonymity <laughs> is he Shakira? We we, yeah, we should have called him Shakira. <laughs> I think um, I think Dean is a regular contributor actually I think he featured in the last batch of feedback episodes we did as well a, co- a common whatsapper but uh, yeah I think I I think I broadly agree. There are definitely episodes that I favour above above others, and I'd also agree that I feel like it does fizzle out. Although, I think he's basically saying he didn't enjoy the Morris episodes at all, and I did. I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were bad, but I just think there was equally better stuff. He's not said bad. Why are you saying bad? Okay, so we can uh, jump into a few more uh, reviews we've been sent as well. So that that's the WhatsApp communication covered. Uh, going on to uh, emails, messages. Facebook messages, tweets, etc. Starting with Dave M. Dave writes, Overall, the series was of the usual high standard expected from the writers and performances. I wanted more Rosa and Seldom, and especially enjoyed Coogan's emotional segments, Morris, Rosa's song, etc. The funniest moments for me was anything with Ross Kemp and the checking for cancer advice. I agree with you that this is not a podcast, but almost a parody of a pod similar to Midmorning Matters and This Time, um, because they are both parodies. The whole intruder section was left with a very flat ending, and the series needed more of an arc for most of the characters. I particularly think Alan was at his worst so far when poking around Lynn's house, and his comments about her paintings were just unnecessarily cruel, as opposed to Alan's usual unacceptable bitterness. A boat show episode would have been good, and I think the series did suffer from not having many other voices for Alan to bounce off. I also felt a little cheated to have missed the school talk and the conference as well as the date. Overall, 7 on 10. The hour of good stuff just outweighs 5 hours of average stuff. Keep up the good work and thanks for keeping it balanced and not just gushing because it's partridge. Um, any any thoughts on that before we move on? Only that 7 out of 10 seems a generous score if he thinks there's 1 hour of good stuff and 5 hours of average stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we get this a lot. Obviously, people say seven on ten just because it's the quote. But <laughs> yeah, it does seem a bit harsh to say there's one good hour out of six. Although I do kind of agree. I, I like the idea that he could have been on location at the boat show. We could have heard him giving that school speech. But I think that was a very clear choice Steve and the Gibbons brothers made to keep it small and uh, quite intimate, kind of mm. based around him being at the house. It all gets a bit ra- uh, BBC radio drama if you start adding yeah, in. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think also kind of- there, there's also a kind of, there needs to be a way of differentiating what Oast House is compared to other Partridge projects. So it, it needs to have its own lane. It needs to have its own sort of theme or style or whatever. And in this case, it is just alan's intimate thoughts um and and what he's getting up to during the day um so i think it ha- it, it's channeled its own lane in that respect whereas if you have it jumping mm. out around to other things does it start becoming a bit sort of like roving reportery like this time mm-hmm. or you know it, it it it's it's more in keeping it's sort of i guess the natural sort of cousin or or, or um uh sister project to to mid-morning matters in that it's quite insular but it needs to kind of have its own sort of style i guess and that's what oast house is and whether you go with that and like it or don't like it is ultimately up to you whether you like to be with partridge the whole time and have nothing else some people might get tired of that um i certainly wouldn't suggest that uh that the gibbons ever particularly dip in quality or just kind of rattle things off but do you think there's an element that there is partridge done for the money and there's partridge done for the prestige and the love of partridge and that's why perhaps when you have a series bought by audible or with mid-morning matters initially a series paid for by fosters the more kind of sponsored series if you like that those are the ones where the parameters are very small they don't get in a lot of additional voice actors there isn't perhaps such a huge budget and it's just about the three of them writing it mm-hmm. whereas then there's partridge for the prestige which tends to be the tv the film etc where the budgets are expanded and it's more about building brand partridge if you like i think that's quite mm-hmm. a uh, <laughs> insightful point you just made there adam well thanks very much Saved it for the last episode of the series, almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken four or five years, but we finally made a good point. Oh, God. Um, I've got a message from Jamie Parkins, uh, who writes, uh, I went in a little unsure, but once warmed up, I think it reinforced how good Alan is as a character in audio format. The series is a little lumpy in quality, but overall the quality and accuracy of the writing shines through. Highlights were the Attic episode, the Southampton Boat Show, the Teen Mentor episode, and uh, the early walk in the countryside. Love the constant dig at Edmonds and the development of the High Noon character. As a long-time fan, it's pleasing how on point the script was, and it's worrying to see Alan's descent into loneliness and depression. I can only hope he'll bounce back. Lastly, if there is a podcast award for acting, then Steve Coogan should clean up. It's a real tour de force to carry Alan and all his vocal tics through 18 episodes like that. A brilliant performance. Um, so overall, that's pretty. That's pretty glowing, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely agree with Jamie there on the on the Coogan performance vibe. Mm, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any. Um, there's definitely sort of like podcast awards for shows and stuff, but there isn't actually, as far as I'm aware, any awards or categories in those um, awards that are for quote unquote acting. But um, yeah, it, it is a real. It is a real as um, as Jamie says, tour de force from from Coogan. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. From the Oast House. With Alan Partridge from the Oast House. With Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. From the Oast House. With Alan Partridge from the Yost House. With Alan Partridge. So that leads into our next uh, correspondence from Ian Brown. Not that one. And he's basically asking, <laughs> is Alan the happiest he's ever been? So with all, so he writes, with all of the Alan we have watched and listened to, is this the happiest partridge we have ever seen? He seems happy with most things in his life and the shape of his career. I truly feel he is in a good place. 
It goes without saying that Alan is and always will be a shit, but now it seems that his life has balanced. He's happy with his age, career, friendship and his family. Being back on the BBC probably gave him closure and he probably sees himself as half-retired where he used to see small gigs as beneath him. I think now he just sees them as free money. Yes, he is tortured by High Noon, but I still get an overall feeling that Alan is the happiest he has ever been. Thoughts? I think potentially it's the happiest Alan yet, although um, there is an indication throughout the series that he's in denial about basically being very depressed uh, and anxious. So I think... On the surface, the, the, the Alan that you that you get, it's more about denial than it is about kind of you know serious breakouts of anxiety poking through like it is on previous uh, Partridge. Yeah, I think he's very much um, papering over the cracks, and there's so many cracks in his personality. <laughs> but the fact that he kind of just chooses to be happy kind of tells you all that you need to know. I think if you actually dug into the mind of Alan, and if he actually opened up, it, it would be an absolute car crash, wouldn't it? He's kind of like he's like that um, metaphor, kind of you know the car, like the the body the bodywork is good, but the engine is an absolute <laughs> rust bucket. <laughs> I think Alan hasn't been happy since he came off the telly basically. So I don't think we've seen that much of a different Alan um, from the end of knowing me, knowing you TV to present day. I think he's basically kind of always used uh, spin the work that he's doing, no matter how on paper degrading or bad or rubbish it looks like he hasn't bounced back. It is. Um, he uses that to say, I'm busy, I'm working, I'm happy, all of that sort of stuff. He's like, like Nick says, he's always papering over the cracks. He's trying to put on a, you know, the facade of someone who is happy. And I think this is no different from that. I don't, genuinely don't think he's changed that much in regards of his happiness since knowing me, knowing you TV. <laughs> I think in much the same way that, uh, that the air comes out of sitcoms uh, or series a little bit when the couple, the will they, won't they couple finally gets together for good. Uh, in a similar sense, they can't leave Alan on top for too long because it really deflates a lot of the dramatic tension and a lot of the humour comes out of him not being able to get where he wants to be. And I think that's they've been very careful to never give him what he wants without taking it away quite quickly. I think what's quite interesting about it is that some people can listen to this and come away from it saying Alan's depressed. Some people can listen to it and come, come away from it saying Alan's happy. But I, I think maybe... Maybe the point of difference here is you have someone like the message from Jamie Parkins where he's saying it's worrying to see Alan's descent into loneliness and depression. I think he's basing that much more on the Oast House podcast specifically, whereas I think with Ian Brown, I think he's taking a view which is more about Alan being back on the BBC and on this time. And I think on this time, there are a lot of moments where Alan does end up on top, like, you're, like you were just talking about. So it's kind of... I think that's perhaps you could argue as well that's testament to the writing that you can kind of you can extrapolate different strengths of the character based on how you kind of perceive it. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. Alan Partridge from the Oast House, from the Oast House, with Alan Partridge, from the Oast House, with Alan Partridge, Alan Partridge from the Oast House, Alan Partridge from the Oast House, from the Oast House, with Alan Partridge, from the Oast House. Without without partridge. So uh, to get back to the reviews now, um, essentially almost all of the correspondence we've had has been positive. I would say 95% of people really big fans of From the Oast House. Uh, this next one is probably about as negative as it gets. It's a message from Phil Davey who says he thinks it's the weakest of the three audiobooks for me. I thought it was interesting that he plants this as an audiobook rather mm. than a podcast, mm. uh, which we've talked about before. Um, he says, I found the format a little wearisome before towards the end. Would have enjoyed some guest interaction or more secondary characters anyway. I think those are criticisms that we we have mentioned ourselves it'd be nice to have alan playing off some mm. other people i think it is the weakest of the three um books audiobooks whatever you want to call them um but i still think the standard is really high so to say it's the is the weakest is it is not suggested it's not good but i would agree that for me it is the weakest of the three but i definitely enjoyed it a lot more uh, than phil clearly did and i think phil making the point that he found the format a little wearisome towards the end Thing, I feel like we were kind of all broadly agreeing uh, when we were concluding our thoughts on it that it's that thing where if it had been less than 18 episodes it just might have all felt a bit stronger and a bit punchier perhaps. As we say though most of the feedback we've received on From the Oast House has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, if I had to put a percentage on it maybe 95% positive. Um, so I think should we just quick fire go through some of the uh, the most interesting comments that we've had? Absolutely. I Absolutely. So I'll start. Um, So Gary Lord says, note to self, don't listen to the Alan Partridge podcast for the first time on your bike in a built up area. It's too funny. That go compare joke may be my favourite Partridge joke ever. Joe said, better than this time. Only problem is I listen to it whilst walking my dog and often will laugh exuberantly out loud. My walk takes me past a medical treatment centre. Dermot Looney says, very rare to listen to something on your own and break into laughter so much. 10 on 10, lovely stuff. George Fairhurst writes, a good narrative thread throughout. It delves into how Alan's mind works whilst actually capable of giving moments throughout that make Alan come to life as a thinking and feeling guy. And Stuart Mahoney says, I think it's an extraordinary piece of writing. Elliot Mayer says, it may be the best Partridge thing ever because it's random and freeform. It can have genuine emotion and pathos with all the hilarity and it isn't restricted by the bounds of being a sitcom. Marty 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 agrees, saying this may be the best Alan since I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, A friend of the show, Dean Tonner, writes classic Partridge, if not quite at the level of I'm Alan Partridge Series 1 or Mid-Morning Matters, as a couple of chapters were a bit weak. It's essentially recording one man's journey into the early stages of a nervous breakdown. Very poignant. And Alex Anderson says, is there a more emotional Partridge moment than when the grandkids save him? He seems genuinely happy, and I thought it was the most moving moment of any Partridge content. Gary P.L. says, uh, episode 10 unexpectedly gave me all the feels. Uh, Craig Williamson says, this is the natural medium for Partridge, 10 out of 10, first class. Gareth Bundy writes, it's a perfect format for fans of Alan the Man rather than Alan the Situation. It's genuinely touching, laugh out loud funny and packed with quotable lines. Bite-sized version of the long-form Alan we get in the books, but gives him the freedom to venture outside the narrative and just ramble. 
And lastly, from Ian Brown, not that one, all my favourite Partridge moments are now audio. I tend to be disappointed by any new TV uh, or film stuff, but this has been perfect. Poor Ian, sounds like he's, you know, (laughs) he's either got very high standards or he's making some poor choices in terms of the TV and film that he's watching. (laughs) (laughs) What, you think he means just TV and film in general? Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh no, not Breaking Bad. Oh, not The Sopranos again. This is rubbish. Next, we get onto the hot topic of High Noon. Drew Cameron writes. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) Drew Cameron writes While I agree that the end of Oast House does fall a little flat, I did enjoy Alan and Lynn sleuthing in the last episode. I particularly enjoyed that the parks were only cross referenced with the IP addresses after 29 of them were visited by Lynn and her new hip at least her second new hip by my counting. Question to the group. Is there any chance that High Noon is Tex from I'm Alan Partridge Series 2? Perhaps the wannabe cowboy blames Alan for his beloved Geordie's disappearance. My review for the whole series would be very good, but the weirdness about the wife mentioned in the initial release did distract and bother me throughout. Uh, And then Dan follows up with a similar theory saying, any chance High Noon is Tax from I'm Alan Partridge Series 2. Perhaps he could never forgive Alan for taking Michael away from him. What do we think about that as a theory? Uh, I like it as much as I think it's not true. <laughs> I, think, I think sadly, I think sadly, we've we, we've covered the fact that we're a little underwhelmed by the kind of the, the information we get about High Noon, and I think for that reason, um, they 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 don't they like to kind of weave references to the APU through new projects, but they don't like to draw straight lines like this would be if High Noon did turn out to be Tex. It's a bit like when everybody thought um, Ted from Sunderland was going to be related to Michael, isn't it? It's just in this it's all, time, it yeah. would be a bit too too neat. And I think as well, we had a few people get in touch. And in fact, I think we heard this from uh, one of the voice notes earlier, people suggesting perhaps High Noon was going to be Bill Oddie, but the same as it being text. Like, it just doesn't scan because if it was, Alan would recognise them and yeah. he would comment on that. So yeah, it just, I, I, I understand why people have gone for that, but I think it's, it's very good that the Gibbons and Steve haven't gone with that. Yep. Um, so less reviews, but more observations. It's time for another quick fire round. We've heard from lots of people with their uh, thoughts about Oast House. Uh, so we'll start off with one uh, from Tom Dark. Uh, Yes, Mark C. Baxter got in touch about use of the name Paul. He writes, regarding your comments, how every bit part male is called Paul, remember that the manager of the Tesco branch in Scissored Isle is called David, but Alan initially calls him Paul. That is an excellent ah, spot. Well done, Mark. Thanks good. for that. Nice. And uh, I've got a message from John Martin in reference to trams. He says, I believe the trams slash cable car anecdote was a source of hubris joke since there are actually trams, uh, aka streetcars slash trolleys, in San Francisco, in addition to cable cars. So Lynn was actually correct. Justice for Lynn. <laughs> I think we all like to see it when uh, Lynn gets justice, don't we? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamie Atkinson wrote in uh, about the uh, about using Twitter as a regular feature as a style within the Oast House, and he says that the Twitter bits feel very much like the listeners' phone-in elements from Mid Morning Matters. So I guess that is a crutch for the Gibbons to fall back on, but still hilarious. Hope we get a series two. Mark C. Baxter got in touch about the thorny issue of Shakira. Uh, he said, one point about Alan following Shakira on his Twitter. This is a nice callback to Scissor Isle, where he gives the woman caught out by loan sharks Shakira as a fake name. I'm really glad that people are spotting the, these um, kind of little tidbits that span across the series, because there's a lot that we've missed, isn't there? Um, Porcupine RPG got in touch regarding Ireland. Uh, he or she they right uh, just <laughs> catching up on your ace house episodes i feel i must tell you the problem like ireland joke isn't at the expense of the irish it's very much making fun of the english media they're notorious in ireland for talking about the country the north the border without any non-english inputs so yeah like i say like thanks for kind of telling us about that because being based in england surrounded by english media that's perhaps a subtlety to the joke that we wouldn't necessarily pick up on Indeed. Um, And John Ratton has uh, written to us regarding shoving. So he says, just to pick you up on a couple of points, uh, I think Alan has shoved a lover. He hints at this on the um, Me Too ep of uh, This Time with Alan Partridge. Also, I reckon the reason why he mispronounces uh, things is because he never bothers to listen to anyone. Well, we know that much to be true. Um, I did go back and listen to or watch this episode. I must admit, I couldn't find it. 
Uh, he does reference um, when he kind of slow claps uh, a woman who tries to parallel park uh, and suggests that he would offer her uh, instructions next time she was uh, trying to do uh, such a thing. But I couldn't find any references to shoving a lover. I feel like it rings a bell, though, but perhaps it's in a different episode. I feel like I can I can visualise him saying, I too have shoved a lover or something like that. But I, well, feel yeah, I free to, yeah, feel free to uh, write to us, uh, John or anyone, um, and <laughs> point out where that uh, falls, either in this time or the wider APU. Simon Sheehan got in touch for James and Bond Firewall, License to Kill Malware. I instantly thought Tron rather than Inner Space. Bye! <laughs> Thanks for that, Simon. Uh, Jay Evans got in touch about uh, John Meeber. He says, uh, in FTOH, uh, from the Oast House, are the multiple references to the late voiceover artist John Meeber a tribute of sorts to the late AP voiceover artist and actor Andrew Burt? If so, this is a fantastic salute to his legacy from the writers. Uh, yeah, Andrew Burt, you may remember, uh, did the voiceovers uh, of Radio Norwich. He was uh, Khaki Raphael and Nick's favourite, Nick Pellets from an Alan Comic Relief sketch <laughs> from the 90s. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's it's entirely possible. I mean, it's not much of a tribute if they've changed the name entirely, but uh, but yeah, I think there could be parallels there, definitely. But then, yeah, but isn't the the John Meeber character? It he has appeared in other parts of the APU. But it's not just the Oast House that he's featured in, is it? So yeah, so the, uh, it could be a rolling tribute, or it, it, yeah, or it might just well, be that's the business they're in. So they talk about voiceover artists. Yeah, I guess the thing is, what I can't remember about John, the John Meeber character is if he's ever referenced as being a voiceover artist. I can't remember off the top of my head if Alan ever explains that detail, because uh, obviously Andrew Burt died, I think, within the last year or two. Um, so if that is like a new addition to his character, then that theory would play out. But if anything, it's more, I would imagine, a coincidence. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, thanks to everyone for getting in touch with your observations. Uh, it's time to go back over now to Tom Dark, who has a lot to say about lesbian vampires. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, so we were trying to figure out what uh, what film Alan could have been referencing uh, in regards to lesbian vampires. So we've had a few people get in touch with their suggestions. Um, so a couple of people, including uh, Peter Fox, pointed out that uh, Steve Coogan was in an episode of Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible in 2001 and there was an episode of that called Lesbian Vampire Lovers of Lust uh, so I mean yes it's kind of nice that you, you can point out that it's something Coogan's been in which is kind of similar but that's definitely not giving us the answer we're looking for because it would have to be a film which is relatively old neil musto got in touch with a potential candidate for a 70s lesbian vampire film uh, called vampires with a y and to me it feels like this might be a winner two beautiful women fran and miriam roam the english countryside they lure unsuspecting men to their estate for orgies of sex and blood but when an innocent young couple john and harriet stumble into the vampire's lair they find themselves sucked into an unforgettable vortex of savage lust and forbidden desires i mean that's what I'm watching tonight. Don't know about you guys. <laughs> also, has has there ever been a more seventies collection of character names than Fran, Miriam, John, and Harriet? <laughs> I can only assume that uh, Jed has definitely watched this. Oh, yeah. well, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He's no doubt editing now, nodding along, going, "Yep, yeah, classic." Um, can I also just point out, by the way, uh, if anybody is detecting any background noise at the moment, uh, my very own seldom is ravenous for a uh, a plate of eggs right now. So just trying to trying to deal with that. Partridge from the Oast House. Alan Partridge from the Oast House. From the Oast House. Without a partridge. From the Oast House. Without a partridge. Well, let's cheer him up with some uh, tweets from the Simply Red account. So, uh, a couple <laughs> of people wrote in, namely James uh, Aylamore, hopefully. Uh, pronouncing that right and olivia swash um and they said did you guys did you guys know that back in may simply red tweeted their five favorite races uh i think this might have inspired alan's racist fun um so i'm now going to quote the tweet from the simply red hq account which says top five coolest cultures on planet earth uh one african-americans uh, brackets they invented cool close brackets oh. two two working class British musicians, uh, three 
uh, brackets again, a close third, close brackets, Jamaicans, uh, four Jewish Americans, and five flamenco gypsies. Um, I don't really have anything further to say on that. I think that it's tweet weirdly, speaks it, for itself. Yeah, it's weirdly similar to what happens in uh, in in uh, from the Oast House, and also staggering that that was put it, out. <laughs> it's such an it's such an odd it's such an odd thing to say, isn't it? Um, we're going to need it. We're going to uh, uh, Mick. We're going to need a big fat slice of context with that tweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Avoid yeah, of any context. It just there's so many questions. It, remi- it sort of reminds me of like in the office when you have David Brent try and tackle racism and sort of prove it's it's a very partridge thing, isn't it? Sort of yeah. try and prove you're progressive, but in the process of doing that, show how not progressive you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, just before we go on to the next point, just to go back to the previous point, uh, in Nomad, um, John M- uh, Mieber is uh, referred to by Alan as a friend and voiceover artiste. So uh, that's when he's he's mentioned as a voiceover artist in, in Nomad. And a message from Estelle Coombs and many others, actually, uh, re the Audible badge. Um, it is just a coincidence, she says. The high noon badge is given when you listen to Audible at lunchtime. The coincidence being here is that uh, there is a high noon badge on Audible and there is a character in from the Oast House called High Noon. What a coincidence. What are the chances? <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed by that. I, I was thinking they uh, Audible have been quite clever and created kind of easter eggs within the audible app uh, specifically for the oast house so it's a bit of a shame that they hadn't in this case the difference is not audible <laughs> yep. um thanks very much to harry ford who got in touch with a nice little uh, link between different bits of the apu he says uh, in from the oast house where alan says a horn is to warn not rebuke uh in the script book for alpha papa this line was originally said by alan while he's driving to north norfolk digital at the beginning of the film but was removed when the opening sequence changed in the footnotes steve says that this is actually something his dad used to say when teaching steve to drive nice to see that it eventually made it into a partridge script so thanks for that harry uh, it's now time i think to turn our attention to the celebrity rumor generator so this is something we talked about a few weeks ago um saying it'd be quite fun if somebody was able to somebody with more web knowledge than us basically would be able to essentially put column a of like random british celebrities column b of random things they could be doing and that gives you essentially an alan partridge celebrity rumor generator Mike Hogarth very kindly took this challenge on and made it for us. So uh, if you want to give this a go yourself, it's at alan-partridge-celebrity-rumor-generator.netlify. Is that right? Dot app. Uh, I mean, we've shared it on socials. So you can just share it again. Easy for me to say. Um, but I thought what might be fun if we all just have a go at generating a rumor as we record oh, now live. Like um, shall I get us started? Go on then. Yes, and I've also been cooking one up in the background. Can I just say that Mike Hogarth has gone above and beyond. This is absolutely fantastic. And crucially, it's not as simple as just the name of a British celebrity, the name of a it's situation. Not, it's more complex, they, isn't it? They're all, it? All of the sentences make sense, and also all of them are absolutely pitch perfect for Partridge. Yeah. Okay, this is what I've come up with. If you think you've had a few spectacular nights in the 90s, imagine watching Sue Barker talk to a cat like it was a baby at 2am. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I've got a uh, picture the scene. It's Christmas Day and I'm witnessing Cheryl Baker threaten to punch someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go next. If it looks like Bruno Brooks is about to steal a garden gnome, you'd better hope you are ready for an argument. (laughs) Uh, And finally, I've got, uh, it's the closest I've come to an out-of-body experience since seeing Dale Winton arguing with a lollipop lady. (laughs) (laughs) These are fantastic. They're really good. Really good. Um, Yeah, and yeah, I mean, obviously people have sent us some of their favourites over the last few weeks. So good to see people like Pat Sharp, Tony Blackburn, Dave Lee Travis, Alan Titchmarsh, Nigel Slater all all featuring definitely worth spending a bit of time uh, having a bit of fun with that it's a lot of fun okay and as regular listeners will know we enjoy a poll from time to time and as head of polls here at monkey tennis um i just wanted to recap uh the polls that we'd run over this last series and to confirm what the results were so first off, um, we asked you uh, to settle the shower question. So this comes from um, a point in from the Oast House where Alan talks about how his, his orientation effectively within the shower. So we asked you, when you shower, do you forward face and wash your legs? Uh, forward face 
and don't wash your legs? Do you backwards face and wash your legs or <laughs> backwards and not wash your legs? So essentially, do you go forwards or backwards and do you wash your legs? Yes or no? Um, I'm pleased to report that most listeners do wash their legs which for me <laughs> is just common sense right so uh, the winner were at 34 percent of the votes was forward facing and wash legs which i think is how i voted not that there's any correlation there but for me that is probably one of the most sensible ones and in at number two it was backwards and washing your legs so the vast majority of people well only 60 percent though are washing their legs there is there is a contingent wow. of listeners who with don't feel the need in any way with dirty legs <laughs> exactly disgusting um we then uh, talked about the uh, lanyard company, um, which came up again in from the Oast House. Uh, so we asked, this was one of our large questions, what was the best name for the lanyard company? There was two options here. There was Lanyard 3000 or Big Lanyard. We were relatively uh, divided on this, so not much in it, but Lanyard 3000 did take, um, did kind of pivot uh, at the post with yes. 56% of the votes. So Lanyard 3000, which I would say again, common sense prevailed. That, that is the better the better name for a lanyard company. Can I just say, uh, I've been to Lanyard 3000. Not much has changed, but they work underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Uh, the one that I think, though, um, we all want to know the results of, um, and that was uh, my slipper attire. So if you haven't seen this, feel free to go back through our Twitter timeline, where you'll see a oh, short I th- video. I thought you were going to tell us about eggs. Have we still got that to come as well? Uh, eggs is still to come. Yeah. Okay, eggs thank, is, thank egg- God for that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Um, so we were talking about my slipper attire. So there is a video on our social channels if you want to remind yourself um, about whether the slippers were or were not comfy. Um, and I'm pleased to say, the, well, actually, no, I say I'm pleased to say, there's there's some positivity in these results, I would say. So 50, 55% of people think that they look like they stink, um, whereas 44% of people uh, think that they look comfy, which is very much in my wheelhouse, because I can tell you firsthand they don't stink and they are comfy. They, and, they do stink. Stop the count. They stink. Uh, <laughs> Stop the count. I will be and have put on my Santa list... Um, uh, a new pair so i'm i'm happy to post at christmas the uh, new updated version of the booties and right. if you want why to you win need a new pair why do you need a new pair is that because your current pair stink and they need to be thrown on a fire no it's because i wear them mm. all day every day any damn day and so I'm they basically... stink and they need to be thrown on the fire <laughs> yeah i'm just wearing the fur lining down yeah. can i can i request that when they go on the fire it's not an open fire it's like a closed incinerator <laughs> perhaps some sort of facility um and then finally uh we asked let's settle this one once and for all uh eggs is it yes or no we're divided as a podcast with myself and tom dark uh, very much being egg fans and adam brooks and uh, tom stab uh, very much thinking that they stink i'm pleased to report <laughs> that again common sense has prevailed with 72 percent of people thinking yes eggs make a really good meal which obviously echoes 72 sorry 72 percent yeah, that's a Apologies. whopping victory. Fantastic. Whopping victory. And obviously that's a, uh, akin to what Alan thinks um, because they are one of his favourites. Um, but 27% of you are with Tom and Adam who are not egg fans. 72%. Um, and- I mean, that sounds like the work of egg lobbyists to me. <laughs> so you, you, you've, rallied, you've rallied the egg community, haven't you? No, Adam, we got in touch with the egg marketing board and got their voting power behind it. <laughs> Nothing yeah. refreshes like a nice cold bowl of egg. <laughs> Oh, you two are just in the pocket of Big Egg, aren't you? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was also one of our most popular polls. And that concludes our poll uh, summary for this last series. Um, we will, of course, be doing more polls when we do a future series. So do look out for that. And thanks to everyone who voted. Thanks, Nick. I think it's time to uh, wrap up the Oast House feedback now. Um, so you may have heard throughout this episode uh, a few solo efforts of the Oast House theme, which obviously we asked you to send in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a quite decent amount of response to this. So uh, we picked out a few solo efforts which really had that kind of higher production values. So thank you to Kieran Gray, Matty Conig, and Matt Andrews, who you've heard throughout the episode. And we are going to wrap up in a moment with a final combined efforts from dom cullender frankie bonfanti 
Danny Balawa, Ray and Dave M. So thank you to everybody for sending those in. Um, I mean, it's it's got a haunting quality. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that much about it. Um, so yeah, I'll let Adam wrap up proceedings and then we'll we'll play out with a, a combined Ace House theme from you, our lovely listeners. Uh, yes, so all that remains really is to say that we'll be back next week with probably our last episode of 2020, uh, a wrap-up of all of your non-Oast House and general Partridge feedback. So do join us for that. Um, if you want to get in touch with feedback for future series or questions or challenges for us, uh, we're on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod. You can email ThePartridgePod at gmail.com. Uh, leave a WhatsApp voice note on the hotline 07923 600 which may feature in a future episode or if you'd like to shout us a cup of coffee uh, for bringing you Partridge nonsense uh, for nigh on five years then you can do that at ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis uh, so thank you very much uh, to everyone that got in touch and everyone that's listened uh, all that's left really is to say thanks and goodbye and to hand over to Dom, Frankie, Danny Ray and Dave, goodbye Alan Partridge from the old house. Alan Partridge from the old house. From the old house without a partridge. From the old house without a partridge. Alan Partridge from the old house. Alan Partridge from the old house. From the old house without a partridge. From the old house, Aha! And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Kukumpa. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me! Are you being served? Monkey tennis? Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis? Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis? Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis? From the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.